Listen, beloved, talking about God, quote, unquote, or Jesus, without embracing what God purposed Jesus to do, and equally so, what Jesus taught regarding Holy Spirit is just futile. I'm Terry Knighton, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on. I trust that the Lord is going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together around His Word for the next several moments. Uh, as we get into things tonight, we're going to be uh, asking and answering the question about Holy Spirit's role in our lives. This is a message that we began, actually a series we began uh, a couple of weeks ago that's titled Separation of Powers. But again, let me reemphasize or reiterate to you the importance of knowing the role of Holy Spirit in our life today. What is that, Pastor Terry? Well, that's the teaching. And I'm not going to get into it right now, but we're going to jump into it real quick. Like Our text passage is John chapter 16, but I'm going to take you to another passage that we're going to get into here in just a moment. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just one or two verses. Before I read that, let me re-emphasize to you and remind you again that after 34 years and 10 months, uh, I am going to be closing out my television ministry. Uh, December 31st will be the last program, the last airing of New Life Telecast. I am retiring uh, upcoming in the next, uh, next few months, actually in April of 2024. And as a part of that transition, part of that process, uh, New Life has determined that they're not going to continue on with the television ministry at this time. Maybe be back at some point in time uh, with their incoming pastor. I don't know. But again, December 31st will be our last telecast. So this is number four toward the countdown. I cannot tell you what a privilege it has been, not only to pastor New Life, but to come before uh, this audience for years in radio and now television. And I am, again, so very thankful for those that helped us in this journey that partnered with us uh, along the way. I will be forever indebted to them. And I trust that these uh, messages have spoken to you and ministered to you, and I trust that will continue to be the case in, uh, in these next few programs. You pray for us as we transition out of pastoral ministry. And uh, just pray for the church as a whole as they continue to move forward together. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1. The record puts it this way. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. That's interesting, isn't it? As in fact, you are living. He says you're doing this, but listen. Now, we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. You're doing it, but we urge you to do it more and more. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast, and I pray and ask in the name of Jesus, by your word, that you would speak to each one. Help us to know and understand the role of Holy Spirit in our life, day in and day out. And we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
Hey, you keep your Bibles handy, follow along with us, and I trust you're going to be blessed all over the place. Hang on, I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. By way of the introductory message last week, I attempted to highlight for you the backstory of John 16. I'm not going back into all that, but I am going to hit some bullet points here for the next few moments, uh, hopefully to bring you up to speed to share with you what we promised last week. In so many words, Jesus is telling the apostles that he is about to fulfill his Father's plan. Watch this. Their Jehovah's plan, the God that they served, it was his plan, and he's going to share that plan and purpose for his coming. He's about to leave them in the form they have previously and even at that time that they had presently known of him. They were having difficulty, as I alluded to just moments ago. They were having difficulty, if nothing else, emotionally, separating their own desires from the reality which Jesus is attempting to help them see. Now, how many of you know quite often emotions and reality do not necessarily com- connect? They weren't really connecting. And let me just say this to you parenthetically. Our salvation experience is not based on emotions. It gets emotional from time to time, but it is not based on emotions. It's based on our faith placed in the fact of the Word of God. Emotions are all over the place. Can I get an amen? One minute you're happy, the next minute you're sad. One minute you're giddy, the next minute you're whatever. Emotions, you just can't trust them. There have been volumes written about that. I want you to know and understand Jesus did not leave them helpless. He did not leave them hopeless. I'm apt to say he did not leave them hapless. Notice again the latter part of verse 7. I read that last week. I didn't read it this morning. But look at that. He says, if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I know that always puts us over the edge to realize that Him is coming. Well, who is Him? I, if I go, I will send Him to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm going, but I'm not leaving you, as ridiculous as that sounds. Jesus is saying, I have served my purpose. I have served my role. Now it's time for my partner in ministry, Holy Spirit, to begin his time, to begin his season, not only with you, but better spoken in you. I began to lay a foundation last week to help you know about Holy Spirit's role. Just what is that? What is the role of Holy Spirit? How much do you know about that? I would say to you in passing, it's very similar in nature to that of the Father and that of the Son in terms of the overall goal. And the overall plan of God is to make possible our forgiveness of sins. Pastor, what sins are you talking about? I'm talking about yours if they haven't been forgiven yet. All of us have a sin problem. We come into the world that way. Did you know that? It's true. We have a sin 
problem. And God's purpose is to help us overcome that sin problem by forgiveness of our sins, having them laid aside and establishing us as the redeemed, those who have been bought back, those who have been blood bought. And don't let the blood scare you. I'm just here to tell you without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. All of the illustrations, all of the types, all of the symbols that we see in the Old Testament where animals had their blood shed was to point to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It wasn't about killing a sheep or pinching the head off of a dove. It was about the life's blood being shed from those particular entities. I trust you know and understand that. God's plan, beloved, is to establish us redeemed, blood-bought children of God. I pray you have that testimony. Now, Jesus' sacrifice made it possible for us to initially connect with God. What is it that made that connection possible? Jesus' sacrifice. We call that the salvation experience. It's pretty much catchphrase these days for people to say something like, well, I am saved or I got saved or are you saved? It's all just uh, uh, under the umbrella of the salvation experience. Second thing I want to put before you this morning with regards to Holy Spirit, and it's number one on your study notes. Holy Spirit serves in an equal and distinct role as the Father and the Son. He serves the process, for lack of a better way of saying it, the process of empowering us to live out a lifestyle of obedience, a lifestyle of obedience as saved children of God, what we know basically as the sanctification process. If you're new to new life, you may not know a whole lot about the sanctification process, but I'm here to tell you it's a biblical concept. We're going to try to help you with that. Uh, that's pr pretty much the entirety of the message this morning. Now, if you have a Bible and you have a New Testament in that Bible and you have the book of 1 Thessalonians in that New Testament of your Bible, I invite you to turn with me there right now to chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. We read this. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. How many of you are interested? Let me see your eyeballs just a sec. You can talk to one another after church. You can't hear, always hear me after church. How many of you are in, interested in learning how to live in order to please God? Can I see your hand? You interested in that sort of thing? Well, we're told right here. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. And notice what he says, as in fact you are living. I love that. In fact, you are living that way. But then note, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. More and more. Verse 2. You know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And then look at verse 3. He says, it is God's will that you should be holy. We instructed you how to live in order to please God. Beloved, this is how you live in order to please God. You do that by living a lifestyle of holiness. Will you say holiness with me? 
holiness. It is God's will that you should be holy. Perhaps you're thinking, well, Pastor Terry, I'm not very holy. Well, I understand that. I've already told you this morning that we come into the world with a sin problem. That would be unholy. How is it that we assume a lifestyle of holiness? If we come into the world with a sin problem and we're not holy, then how is it that we assume that lifestyle? And it's very simple. Listen to this. We do so with the assistance of Holy Spirit. Are you still with me? We do so with the assistance of Holy Spirit. Watch this. Living holy is not something that any one of us can do. You can't do it. I can't do it. I started to say the Pope can't do it, but obviously I won't go there. Listen, living holy is not something we can do. We need a helper. And Jesus the Christ has gifted us exactly what we need. I'm somewhat befuddled. You ever been befuddled? I'm somewhat befuddled at how little Holy Spirit is spoken of and emphasized in the contemporary Christian movement. I've shared with several groups recently that I'm hearing it from people that they've never heard Holy Spirit taught on. That amazes me. Some people say, I've never really heard Holy Spirit talked about until I started attending New Life. Now, I'm telling you, there are plenty of churches where you can hear the Holy Spirit talked about, but it's a shame that it, that's not the case everywhere. Check this out. You ever been a little bit distracted? I, I usually get that way when I'm preaching on Holy Spirit. And I know why. So stick with me. I concluded part one by the illustration of persons that will argue to you that they believe in God. I believe in God. But they have no relationship with God incarnate, meaning Jesus, the Son. Does that make sense to you? I believe in God, but they have no relationship with the Son, Jesus. Beloved, that is biblical illiteracy. It's actually an extra-biblical ideology to say that you believe in God and yet you do not accept the work that God put forth in His Son, Jesus. Are you with me so far? Is that crystal clear to you? The same is true, and this has kind of been the emphasis of this particular teaching, the same is true for those that will argue to you that they believe in Jesus. Well, Pastor, I'm okay, I believe in God, and I believe in Jesus. But they have no understanding of or a relationship with the parakletos that Jesus told us about. Parakletos, the comforter, another comforter, speaking of Holy Spirit. I said this to you last week, I want to reemphasize this to you. God the Father works in us in this time by Holy Spirit. And if you don't know anything about Holy Spirit and you're not tapping into that avenue or that mechanism that God has put forth, then you don't know as much about God as perhaps you think you do. 
And I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like a smart aleck, condescending, blubbering fool this morning. I'm just trying to help people because as the older this nation gets, beloved, the further we stray from the truth of the Word of God. People don't know this. And one of the reasons they don't know it is because they don't read it and they find other things to do on the Lord's Day when it's being taught other than coming and sitting under anointed preaching and teaching. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Number two on your study notes. Holy Spirit infilling. You may have heard this referenced as Holy Spirit baptism. You may have heard this referenced as what the King James puts forth in 1 Thessalonians 4 as sanctification. Holy Spirit infilling is God's plan for the New Testament saint or the New Testament follower of Christ. If you claim to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you claim to be going to heaven, then, beloved, you ought to have Holy Spirit dwelling within you. That's God's plan. It's not optional. It's not like going to the car lot and saying, Hey, does that bad boy have have air conditioning? No. Well, then I don't want it. Does it have this? No, I don't want it. It's not that way. You don't pick and choose like a cafeteria with God. How many of you know God is God? And if we have to bring God down to our level, what kind of God is that? I don't want a God that looks like me. Thank God. Listen, beloved, talking about God, quote, unquote, or Jesus, without embracing what God purposed Jesus to do, and equally so, what Jesus taught regarding Holy Spirit is just futile. There's a young man by the name of Dean Insera, I-N-S-E-R-R-A, I trust I'm pronouncing that correctly, and he has beaten me to the punch and authored a really thought-provoking book. I've been working on it in my mind for years. Don't you hate it when somebody outrights you? The title of this book is, and you'll want to write this down, and it's recommended reading for you. In fact, I may convene a small group and go through this sometime here in the very near future. Here's the title, The Unsaved Christian. Let me do that again. The Unsaved Christian. Mr. and Sarah suggest these wandering souls are cultural Christians. What kind of Christians? Cultural Christians. Listen to me. Let me see your eyeballs just a sec. Many of those cultural Christians become cultural preachers. Are you with me? I'm taking my time right here. Many of them promoting an endless downward cycle of word neglect. Can I suggest to you a preacher that's worth the salt, the longer he preaches, the more of this he ought to know, not the less of it. Can I get an amen right there? I believe that, but I'm a little old school. Let me quote for you from Mr. and Sarah before I waste too much of your time. Quote, these unsaved Christians, these cultural Christians, they believe in God. They take seriously their Christian traditions. Prayer in schools 
nativity scenes, and Linus reciting the story of the birth of Christ during a Charlie Brown Christmas. But the difficulty comes when we examine exactly who their God is and question why the coming of Jesus even matters. This is on your study notes. It's a quote from Mr. Insera. And this is according to a study of U.S. adults. And I understand completely that 67% of all statistics are made up on the spot. I get that. But this says 80% of those polled believe in God. Is that good? Kind of discouraging to realize it's, what about the other 20%? But 80% of those polled believe in God, but only 56% believe in God as described in the Bible. What the world? In other words, they're making up their own God. How convenient. I bet that God that you've made up doesn't require you to do anything that you don't want to do. Mr. Sarah goes on, Indeed, there is a familiarity with church and Christian lingo, but a familiarity with the gospel is hard to find. To add to the problem, the church often assumes the gospel. What in the world does that mean? That means they do not preach the gospel forthwith or forthright and with accountability. They just hope that some way, somehow, people are going to get it. Let me tell you something. Sinful man is not going to just get it. It has to be brought, and it has to be explained, and it has to be explained prayerfully, and it takes some Holy Spirit conviction. He goes on to say, as a result, people can camp out in churches for years and never hear what the Bible actually says. I know that's true because the first 15 years of my life, I did exactly that. Camped out in church. By the way, the gospel was being preached in my church, but I wasn't hearing it. At least I wasn't listening to it. And the gospel's being preached here. I can tell you that, and I stand on the authority of the Word of God. But I do know that there are some people even here, and certainly my assumption is some by way of live stream, they're not hearing or listening to it either because their lives are not being changed. They reflect the lifestyle of the world and not the lifestyle of holiness that God has called us to. Are you still with me? Still quoting Mr. and Sarah. Getting someone who thinks he's a Christian or she to see that he or she is actually not is a delicate and sensitive endeavor. Boy, isn't it? But not unique to our time. Jesus himself and the greatest sermon ever preached reminds us that being religious but not saved is not unique to our day. You listen to me. Some of you right now are looking back at me. You're religious. In fact, your testimony is, you know, my grandfather was religious and my grandmother was religious and my parents were religious and I'm religious. I'm just carrying on an old family tradition. Can I help you understand something? Jesus come to do away with that religious thing. Well, isn't Christianity a religion? No. The world calls it that. Christianity is a lifestyle with Jesus Christ. It's not religion. Religion is an outward, perfunctory, going through the motions kind of a deal. Well, isn't that what Christianity is all about? No. 
And if you understand the heart of this message, you will begin to understand the heart of the gospel and what we're really talking about. Jesus addressed the distant cousins of the modern day overchurched, underreached, those who were religious but not repentant. You understand the difference between the two? And Sarah records a reminder of the Matthew 7 passage. It should come up, part of it will come up on the screen. Uh, it records Jesus saying this. Not everyone, this, this is just sends cold chills over me. Listen to this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. I've been reading through the paraphrase, the message. Eugene Peterson gave us that. I love it for devotional reading. In fact, it's part of my Yeti time, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings. And I want to read a little bit of that for you. It should appear on the screen as well. Listen to this. Matthew 7, 21, 7, 21 through 23. What is required is serious obedience. What kind of obedience? Serious. Doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the dead. Beloved, let's wrap it up right there. And let me just throw something back at you one more time. Would you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ? If so, are you uh, classified? Are you in the category of a cultural Christian? or a biblical Christian? Are you following the culture, which probably is on the broad road that leads to destruction, or are you still following the Word of God? The Word is so very important. And we, we live in a day and age where people as a whole are veering away from this, some even casting aspersions on it as some old antiquated document. Listen, they don't know what they're talking about. And you only need to read a little bit of Bible prophecy to know and understand that that which was predicted or prophesied or foretold uh, so many hundreds of years ago, we're watching those things come to, uh, come to fruition right before our very eyes today. Uh, certainly adds validation to the Word of God. New Life Telecast is all about encouraging you to get into, that is to read and study the Word and allow the Word to read and study you, to get it in you. An integral part of that is a ministry of Holy Spirit in our everyday walking around life. And if you haven't discovered that, I encourage you to discover just how important it is to have Holy Spirit living within and learning how to release God's power by Holy Spirit to work in you. Now, that may sound complicated, may sound complex, it may sound a little scary if you're not used to it. In particular, if somebody has tainted your concept of Holy Spirit by some far-out, far-fetched kind of what I call flaky behavior. Can you be encouraged not to throw the Bible out with the bathwater? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Read and study the Bible in a balanced way in the New Testament and discover the ministry role of Holy Spirit for your life. Father, I thank you for each one listening in, and I pray very simply that by your Spirit you would speak to their heart, draw them and teach them and equip them to know how to release your power to work within them that they might walk in victory day in and day out. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. Well, before I get out of here, let me remind you that New Life still has a regular schedule of activities every Sunday morning. Speaking of something that is not old and antiquated, it's very important for you to find a place where you can gather with God's people and assemble together. I believe that. I believe it wholeheartedly. We have Sunday morning worship at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities, what we call family ministries night, each and every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Something for the little children, the youth, and the adults. We'd love to see you. Contact information is there on the screen. Give us a holler. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, and I wish you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?